Hey fam, how is it going? Welcome to the Free Trail Podcast. Of course, I am your loving host, Dylan Bowman. Joined today by Pau Capel, the great Spanish trail champion and 2019 UTMB winner, who is returning for a second appearance on the podcast. Last time we recorded was way back in February of 2020 after Pau's fourth consecutive victory at Transgrand Canaria. Of course, as most of you will remember, just after that race, the world plunged into the chaos of the COVID pandemic. And similarly, unfortunately, Pau hit a moment of adversity in his own career with some injury stuff, some personal stuff, and ultimately needed knee surgery, which was performed last summer. But after much rehab, much contemplation, Pau is now back in full form, heading into his third running of the UTMB in just a couple of weeks. So we talked all about his return from injury, what he learned from that process, and how he's been building his confidence back again. Of course, we also talked about the amazing story of his 2019 UTMB victory. In fact, there's a can't miss retelling of a beautiful story uh, from that race here in our conversation. And then we finish up by talking about his training and strategy for this year's race. It's always great to catch up with Pau and I cannot wait to see him back on the start line in Chamonix. I hope you guys all enjoy this episode. Of course, a big thank you is in order to Speedland, the presenting sponsor of the Free Trail Podcast and the makers of the SLHSV, a beautiful piece of trail specific footwear that is the pinnacle of innovation removable Carbitex plate for two very distinct running experiences, double BOA dials for the best fit of any shoe I've ever worn, and Dyneema integration into the upper for world-class durability. Visit runspeedland.com and pick up a pair today. Also, you may have seen on my Instagram, I did a little teaser of the new colorway that we're working on for the next commission that's about to drop. A lot more news on that coming soon. So make sure you go follow at Run Speedland on Instagram so you don't miss out. Also, very importantly, Gorge Waterfalls registration is opening up very soon. So here is how it's going to work. We're going to have to do a lottery for the 50K, which will open on September 1st. So if you want to do the Gorge 50K on April 2nd of 2023, you need to put September 1st on your calendar because that is when the lottery will open. And then the 50K lottery and the 100K and 30K registration will both happen on September 18th. That's right. So we've added the 30K race in addition to the 100K and 50K, and both those registrations will open on September 18th, along with the 50K lottery, which is also happening that day. Set your calendar notifications and please visit gorgewaterfalls.com for more info. Okay, please welcome the great Pau Capel. Pau Capel, welcome back to the show. Good to see you, buddy. <laughs> Good to see you. Thank you. Where are you right now? Are you in Chamonix? No, not yet. I'm now. I'm in in Calafes, in the more or less the south of Catalonia, with my family. I I have been here two days, and now I come back to Andorra. And after Andorra, I go to Chamonix for the UTMB. Yeah. So is uh, training starting to wrap up for UTMB now? I imagine we're now two weeks 
ahead of the start of the race. I'm imagining that you're probably feeling pretty tired coming close to the end of your training block. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, at the typical lady that you are going to train, here is really hot. The feeling is the nervous, all of this, and it's complicated to manage these days. Eh? Yeah. I feel more nervous than than other things. So yeah, it's more really take it easy, take it easy, do some trainings, don't think a lot about the race, listen some podcast uh, to disturb your mind, and yeah. enough. So you're feeling nervous though. Let, let's talk about that yeah. because you don't strike me as the type of athlete that gets nervous. You know, you kind of have this confident swagger to you, you know, and you always have like this great kind of personality of, you know, chasing your dreams and setting big goals. I it, Tell me a little bit about the, the nervous energy. So w- when you have a big dream, then you can fail. And that's why the nervous appears. So... Yeah. Uh, normally for the races, it's depending on the race, but for the Mont Blanc especially, I feel nervous before the race. Uh, I don't want to show, to show the nervous because it's an advantage for the other people. Yeah. So I prefer to stay calm when I'm outside home and then at home maybe talk more about this nervous with my family, with my girlfriend yeah. and yeah, and try to, yeah, try to be with calm at home because if not the nervous will will kill me yeah well it's understandable i mean obviously utmb is the biggest stage on earth and you're one of very few people who has had the true honor of knowing what it feels like to win the race and i'm sure you're gonna you have big goals for yourself going into this year's race in 2022 especially coming off injury and i want to talk about all that stuff but let's maybe just catch up from the last time we talked you were actually one of the early guests on the podcast we recorded mm-hmm. after you won trans grand canaria for the fourth consecutive time back mm-hmm. in 2020 and that was just before the pandemic happened february of 2020 and you were only 6 months removed from your victory at utmb um, and I know the last couple of years have been probably one of the most challenging moments in your career. And you went from like this immense high to sort of c- getting knocked back down to earth with injury. So maybe just tell us a little bit about what that injury was and, and the operation that you had done on your knee. Mm. So, yeah, it has been a problem for me because I was, I was feeling so good after you to me and after Trans and Canaria 2020. And I think that I was in my best performance and and the pandemic appears and I was at home training like everybody. And it was like in a race that you are feeling so good and then the stomach explodes and you have to stop. And it was this kind of feeling no, that I want to continue running, but the races are off. It's impossible to run outside. And, and I was uh, some... Not nervous, but uh, I was thinking in the future and I didn't know what I could manage the situation because I wanted to run and it was impossible. And that's why I created the Breaking 20. I did some projects and after these projects appears the injuries. And I think it's because I was training a lot in the in the treadmill. I didn't train in the mountain too much. Yeah. And then when I wanted to run 100 miles, 180 kilometers in Menorca yeah. and one other project, the the body wasn't ready. Yeah. And, and appears these injuries. And last year, 2021, 
it was a complicated year for me. It was the worst, the worst year for me because I suffered here in my face uh, and stress and appears, I don't know in English, but uh, some uh, problem here. uh, Uh And it's it's the fact uh, when you are really stressed, when you have a lot Uh of pressure, when you want to do a lot of things, Mm. appears this problem. So it was then, like, like almost a, a pain in your head, like a, a yeah, headache type yeah. thing? I don't know if you can see or not. Sorry, but ah. it's here. Yeah, I have okay. one, one signal here. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it was, I had to stop because wow. the body said, Pau, if you don't stop, this will be worst, will be yeah. other problems. And this happened after uh, my travel to Kenya. I went to Kenya in in January 21, mm-hmm. I went there to to be faster, to learn with the Kenyan athletes. I went there two weeks. And when I came back home, my body said, Pau, you did too much in yeah. Kenya. And, and after that appears the, the injuries. Yeah. A stress fracture in, in the coccyx. And then uh, the big injury in my knee. And all the year was like... Uh, up down up down and it was complicated it was yeah. uh, for my mental health it was too complicated yeah well let's talk about that because obviously every athlete especially every high level athlete at some point hits a year that's just very hard where one thing after the next seems to fail and you can't seem to build any momentum and just when you feel like you are another injury pops up and like i said this happened to you at the moment that you were at the highest height of your career and in the sport, right? You sort of, over the course of a few years, built your reputation, built your skill and mm-hmm. sort of got to the highest level, you know, like Pau Capel winning UTMB. Again, very few people have mm-hmm. that luxury in their lives. What was it like going from that high to that that deep low on sort of like an emotional, psychological level? So uh, I have to, to explain a little bit more because after UTMB, my last relation stopped and it was a plus, no? So mm-hmm. uh, I was alone, I was with the pandemic, I was with injuries and all the things were so bad. And, and my life changed a little bit. I was re- really happy with the sponsors, for example. So all of them uh, were with me in, in this way and I was mm-hmm. with a good support. So I was really happy for that. But then my personal life changed a little bit and... And it's really hard. It's really hard to manage because you know what you have to do. You know what is the plan. Uh, you know what you did for win the UTMB. But then you are, I'm human. I'm not a robot. I have feelings. I, I love. And, and then when you can't uh, love the people that you want, it's complicated because then yeah. I, I have to train every day five hours more or less. Yeah, and how I train alone in the mountain, with my mind uh, thinking all the time with the same. Why I did this? Why not? Uh, why I'm suffering this? Why I'm I'm feeling these things inside me? Yeah. and 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 why we have this big problem in the world? No, yeah. and how I can manage? How I can create new projects? How I can move the social media? How I and all of this. It's, it's like a bottle, no? Yeah. You have a bottle and then you start to put uh, some feelings, some bad 
uh, I don't know, bad things, good things, and then one one point the bottle, boom, explode, yeah, yep. and you explode, and then yeah. you stop. It's a good point, and it's a great uh, example of how our personal lives do have a big impact on our physical health, right? And when mm-hmm. when things aren't feeling good on that personal level, then it's very hard to compete and train at the level that you need to, to win races at uh, the highest level. So what was the ultimate injury in your knee? Because last time we saw each other was at UTMB last year. And I think uh, you were coming back from surgery at that point. Tell us about what that operation was and did it have anything to do with, cause I recall the last time we spoke, you had surgery when you were transitioning from being a soccer, a football player to being a trail runner. Were those operations similar, those surgeries? No, when I was, when I played football in a soccer, uh, I suffered, um, I broke my ligament and the menisc. So mm-hmm. operation, and then I started run and my knee was really good. But then I remember last days, I, I told you that I was listening you uh, the podcast with Jack Miller mm-hmm. that he won the Andorolta Trail. So I ran the Andorolta Trail one year ago mm-hmm. and in the race I feel a big pain on my knee mm-hmm. and I decided to stop in the kilometer 70 because I couldn't run in Andorra. I couldn't. And after two weeks my knee exploded. So I was training in July of uh, 2021 I was training in, in, in my town and I felt something that it was really bad. And I, I listened pop, and, uh, and broke. Yeah. It was a cartilage in the knee. Mm-hmm. Uh, the knee is like this and one cartilage is on this way. So here the cartilage explodes and it was a it broke. It yeah. was broke. So I had to go in the, in the surgery and they opened, they put out this cartilage and I had to be more or less uh, three months doing recovery yeah. and I was in UTMB 2021 but it was my first my first running were there uh, but only 20 minutes and after one year is now um, I'm ready for run the race but yeah the the way has been really really longer yeah well I want to hear about the rehab but going back to our conversation at UTMB last year, you said something that stuck in my head that I think is illustrative of who you are as a person. And you told me that during the pandemic, you had your treadmill set up in your house and you were doing <laughs> 40 to 50 K of running per day on the treadmill during yeah. the pandemic. Yeah. And of course, I'm just shaking my head of just like, man, that's a serious commitment, right? Running 25 to 30 miles a day on your treadmill at home well, during lockdown. So I, I guess, uh, tell us what it was like to go from that level of commitment and training to then having the surgery and rehab. Like, do you pour the same level of intensity and intentionality into the rehab process? And tell us a little bit about what the rehab process entailed. So I'm really lucky because I have a good team with me. Because if not today, maybe I will. I wouldn't run the the UTMB because I I would be injured again. Uh, and they told me, Pau, you have run a lot these years. Maybe now it's time to do a good rehab and be with more calm. Maybe run less, 
uh, in the first month, obviously. And then uh, when you will when, when you will feel good, maybe uh, we don't need to run 300 kilometers per week. Only with 200 kilometers is enough. The other hours you can use the bicycle and then you will run 10 years more. If not, yeah. maybe in two years you will stop because your body will say, Pau, uh, you much. have done a lot, too much. Yeah. And, so, and today I, I'm training the same hours, more or less the same. Yeah. So 26 hours per week is the medium. But uh, yeah, I, I, I do more cross training. I was going to ask you about that. So let, mm. let's talk about that because just like from observing your Instagram and stuff, you've been putting up a lot of photos of you riding the bike and it seems like you've started to emphasize that more heavily since the injury. Talk about how you use the bike in your training. So I, I train two times per day. So one time per day, normally Noble or, or nada, right? You always put that on your Instagram story, right? Yeah. Double or nothing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, or nothing. That's yeah. true. That's why always I'm pushing in the Instagram photos, videos, because <laughs> the people say, you don't rest. And I say, yeah, I rest, but I don't do anything more during my day. I train <laughs> every day. So that's why always I'm pushing uh, with this story. So yeah. I train two times, uh, double or nothing. And in the morning, normally it's running because I feel more tired if when I finish the, the training. Mm -hmm. And then in the afternoon is, is cycling or maybe another time running, but when I do, when I ride a bicycle, I do maybe two hours, three hours, and it's only to maybe some intervals in the training, but not too much. It's more only to, to ride and enjoy uh, with hours. And it's like, we want to do volume for the Ulta trails. Yes, okay. Yeah. But we can't do it all the volume running. So we use the bicycle to do this volume. Yeah. I think it's something that American runners are slowly learning by observing the great European champions who do such a good job of balancing other endurance sports, you know, ski mountaineering in the winter and a lot of cycling in the summertime. So it sounds like you do mostly just low intensity volume on the bike, but with occasionally you'll throw some intervals in. I'm curious about that. Yeah, so in for example, in winter we use this the schemo, the the ski mountaineering, and there we use more the height high rate. Mm -hmm. So we work more in um yeah with volume, but with more intervals, mm -hmm. and and then in in bicycle normally I only ride and only yeah only use the bicycle to to move the legs, yeah. and I do some races. Uh, this last weekend I did. One race in, in Andorra of bicycle, but only for enjoy, yeah? No. Oh, I cool. Win. I didn't win, eh? no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, those those cyclists better be scared if Pau Capel gets serious about it. But uh, tell me about uh, what it's been like to build your confidence back because this kind of maybe goes back to what you're saying about being a little bit nervous going into UTMB, but the level of the sport is accelerating and moving at a really rapid pace right now. The athletes are so good and every race you have to show up ready to perform at your best. I mean, obviously mm -hmm. there's some opportunity to use competition, smaller races to help build up towards the bigger races, mm -hmm. but talk about how you've built your confidence back in your capabilities as an athlete and in your just trust of your own body after injury. 
it's really difficult eh, to to be confident again and and to believe in your capacities is is so complicated and i think that i have not the same uh, confidence uh, if i compare with 2019 uh, i was with more confidence than today uh, today i'm running with uh, this injured i think it is not uh, recovered 100% really? i will have always this injury with me maybe here inside or maybe uh, with feelings eh? uh, yep. it's depending on the day so sometimes i think okay I, i have to to learn how i can run again with this pain because some days i have this pain and then it's like if i did one time i can do it one more time mm -hmm. it's always i think the same but then uh, i have some doubts obviously the people is running too fast the people is training more than ever and and it's really difficult to win but i i i have a video that i have not published yet but i want to publish before the youtube that i explain in spanish uh, why the people think that we can't finish second or third uh -huh. the people only think that we have to win yeah, yeah. is it before the race they say but you will win no i will not win maybe one person win only yeah i yeah. don't know I'm the winner. Maybe it's Jim Wamsley, Kylian Jornet, yeah. Hannes Namber, Paolo Villa. Pff, a lot of people will run this race. Yeah. So, how you can imagine that I can win the race? I, I will run and then we will see. And if I finish in top 10 with my time, with my planning, uh -huh. I will be really happy. Uh -huh. But the people will not understand that we are happy with this. Yeah. I, this is the one thing that I want to explain to the people. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, we, let's keep uh, going. Let's, let's talk about this a little bit more because especially for someone like you who has won the race, the expectation is that you do it again, right? Mm -hmm. And your first UTMB, you finished sixth. So it's, you know, you've had two very good performances, but people remember the first place, yeah. right? And so there is a, a an expectation or a pressure on a returning champion, even when you have people like Killian and Jim in yeah. the field. So, so talk about, talk about that a little bit more, like, just like, is this a way of you trying to take pressure off yourself by explaining that, like, I'm here to run as well as I can. If that, if I win amazing, but if I finish fifth or 10th or 17th, like, and I run as well as I can, I'm going to be happy. Yeah, yeah. I, I did. I did some sessions with one psychologist. Uh -huh. uh, maybe I don't know. One month ago, because I was, I don't know, with doubts. Uh, I didn't be confident with myself. Uh, I was training a lot, but I was unhappy because I received a lot of inputs of people that say, "Pau, uh, oh, you think you will win again, or you will push to Kilian, or you will." Uh, no, no, no. Or oh, you will break. You will do the break in twenty. Say no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm human. So maybe in the morning I will not feel good. I will try for sure, but I, I will try to win. Obviously, I'm, com I'm really competitive. I yeah. want to win in, in, in my home, in all the things that we have at home. But yeah, maybe I finish ten or five or three or three. Yeah. And they have to understand because. This is a negative energy for us because ah. we were a lot of in, inputs maybe are positive or maybe not that they say, hey, 
Pau, come on, you can do it because you have to win. No, I don't have to win. I have to yeah. compete. And then we will see. If I enjoy, maybe I will finish in front. But if I have all the day when I'm running these, these words that you have to win, you have to win, you have to win. And in the kilometer 40, I am in the 15th position. It's really, really bad for me. Yeah, right. I, yeah, think I love, I I love how win. you... I love how you said that it's the negative energy and it makes me mm. want to draw the parallel. Of course, I told you before we started recording here that my wife is due to give birth any minute now. And she's been saying something similar with this big endurance mm. event that's ahead for her, right? It's like, she's mm. trying to protect the energy of her birth, right? And so like when people say to her about like, oh, it's hard or it's painful or mm -hmm. whatever, she's like, I don't want to hear that. Like, I want to just experience it. I want to be yeah. in a good mental space. And it's kind of the same before <laughs> UTMB for you. So that's great <laughs> though. And I'm glad that you're putting that video out. And it is important for fans of trail running to know that, you know, the, the pressure that you guys feel at the highest level, like that's, it's a real thing. And it is possible to, to be really happy with a performance mm. that isn't a victory, even if you are Pal Capel and you have won the race in the past. So let's talk about your comeback or like your return to racing the season. Cause you've had a solid year so far. Mm -hmm. And you, you went back to Trans Grand Canaria to start the year, which I think you've done now like <laughs> six or seven times, including four victories. You finished second to Pablo Villa in another great performance from you. What was it like to to get back on the podium at a big race like Trans Grand Canaria, especially after the injury and stuff? It was for me, it was really magic because I didn't know if Pauka Pay could run again ultra distance. I didn't know. And I didn't know how my knee. Uh, could run again long distances and then when I was in the race I felt really competitive so I was running also with Hayden Hawks uh, with the Chinese runners that were there I was running with Pera with Pablo uh, I don't know it was a good a good competition there mm -hmm. and then obviously Pablo Villa was in a next level I couldn't after 80 kilometers he was in a one more step than me and mm -hmm. I felt this and I was more smart and I was thinking, okay, Pau, maybe you have to be calm, run in your piece and, and try to, yeah, to focus on the podium. And I was pushing against uh, Peraure and finally I, I could finish in front. And then when I finished, it was like, I, I did a big hug to Laura, is my girlfriend, mm -hmm. and my family. And I told them, maybe I can feel again a ultra trail runner and yeah. I can feel again professional because I didn't feel again before that no yeah. I train a lot but I need it I need to finish a race and say okay I finished where I have to be yeah and there's such a feeling of just like relief of like thank goodness yeah. like and the yeah. same exact thing happened to me in 2020 pal at uh trans grand canaria where i finished third behind mm -hmm. you and pablo via because in 2019 i was injured all year and i was mm -hmm. having those 
similar doubts that like, oh, you're getting older. Like your ankle is a complete mess. Like these guys are so young and so fast. And anyway, but yeah, when I finished third behind you guys, I was just like, oh, thank goodness. Like I put another good one on the board. Like I'm not retired yet. So, so then uh, let's talk about the, the rest of the season before we start looking ahead towards UTMB. I know you, uh, you went and won the Patagonia hundred, one of the Spartan races down in South America, what looks like a beautiful event that you've won now twice, but then you, you sort of dropped out of Lavaredo and you've won some other sort of, uh, local races around Europe. Like you usually do, you've raced a lot this year. So maybe just catch us up on how, uh, how those events have gone and more generally how your preparation for UTMB has gone. So in Lavaredo is a, is a pity because it's, it's a, a good race that I like it. So I, I love this place. And, and then I wanted to win in Labrador. I, I was ready. I, mm-hmm. I did a training, but then in the, mo- the Monday before the race, I, I had the COVID and I tried it. I, I was during all the week doubting about if I'm professional, if I have to run or not with COVID. Uh-huh. And because maybe, I don't know if it was good for the other people, but I wanted to be separate with them. I was always alone during the week and I wanted to try. I went in the start and, and go, but then in the kilometer 60, my body say it's impossible. I couldn't run. I couldn't uh-huh. run. And, and after that, I needed to take good energy, uh, win some races. Mm-hmm. And that's why I did small races in France, in Turkey. And, and I, it was part of the, of the planning of the preparation for the UTMB. Because, you know, when we are training, I can train five hours in the mountain, but then uh, you are not in a competition. And when you are in a competition, you push a little bit more than in a training. And that's why we wanted to cross uh, volume of training and volume in competition to be faster. No? And, yeah. and now we are in, in two weeks uh, of to the race. So now we're tapering and, and try to, to be calm. To relax. <laughs> relax. Talk a little bit more about the calendar construction process for you, because you have been in your career, somebody who races quite a lot, especially if you look at the guys like Jim Walmsley, who's only done, well, I guess he did a local race in France a few weeks ago, but then he won Madeira in the spring. Think about Hannes Namberger. He's done two races this year. But of course you, you do a lot of races, you know, and some of them are shorter distance, but I just think it's interesting to see the different strategies employed by the contenders at UTMB and similarly like Killian ran Sears and all this morning. Mm -hmm. And, uh, then you look at somebody like Francois Dane, who always does like three or four races the entire year. So -hmm. talk about what your strategy is with calendar construction, especially building up to UTMB. Yeah. So I, I don't know how Jim Wamsley can manage the calendar with two races. I don't know yeah. because it's more pressure because if you lost uh, in one oh. race or uh, you don't win in other race, your year is, is nothing. And, and I prefer for my security uh, be in a different races from, for example, Gran Canaria, Patagonia and Lavaredo. These three races were main races of the year and then a big race that is UTMB. If in UTMB I can't run good, 
then I have three other races that I have been there yeah. doing a job maybe or no, maybe not, no? But if I don't have these three races and I only run in UTMB and I don't do a good race, how I can explain to the sponsors, to the people that is helping me, okay, this year, nothing. And yeah. for me, it's too much pressure. And that's why normally we have three races before UTMB. We have UTMB and then... Inside this plan, we put some short races like 60 kilometers, 50, 70 to push more, to have more speed. Because yeah. if not, uh, in the trainings, I train really easy. So I have some intervals inside, but not too much. I don't like it. Yeah. So I prefer to work more in zone two, zone three maximum, zone one, obviously. And then in the races, in the short races, I work all the time in zone three, zone four. Yeah. And that's why I have different races. But these short races are not objective. So yeah, it's just training. If I'm not feeling good, I don't push. If yeah. I feel good, I push. Okay. It's not, I don't have pressure there. Yeah, it's just interesting to see just how the different athletes implement their training preparation strategy, knowing that UTMB is the goal for everybody, right? It's like the biggest yeah. goal of the season for everybody. So for those who don't remember your victory at UTMB in 2019, I mean, it was one of the most impressive races I've ever watched. Like you just went off the front from the beginning. And a lot of people, of course, were suspecting that eventually you would crack and somebody would catch you from behind. And Xavier also ran a fantastic race, started making up time on you, but then you found a second win and ultimately won by like 45 minutes, a very convincing victory, wire to wire. And I was texting with uh, our mutual friend, Keith Byrne yesterday, mm -hmm. and I, because he told me a, a funny story that I want you to relay here on the podcast about that race last year or in 2019 and specifically the stories about the phone calls that you made on the uh -huh. course, because I don't know if a lot of people know this and it's like <laughs> one of the coolest, like sporting stories I can remember hearing, especially from trail running. Tell, uh -huh. tell the people about the, the phone calls that you made during the race in 2019. So normally the, the people use the, these small phones like this <laughs> and, and you can't see anything in the, in the screen, Yeah, but I don't like it. I prefer to use my iPhone, my normal phone, this big one. I have the music, I have my Instagram. Sometimes in the races, I, I do some videos uh, filming me for the Instagram. Then <laughs> I will not publish because the people will think this guy is crazy. So I prefer to not publish. But in the 2019, before the race, I was thinking, Pau, what you can do? Also, I had my planning eh, of timing, but what you can do during the race for the for the people that you love. And I thought, okay, maybe if I prepare one call for each marathon, the race is four marathons because 42 plus four, four marathons, uh, be. So the first call I will do to my parents. The second, my girlfriend. The third, my coach. And the fourth, one friend. And these four people were the pillars of my life. Yeah. And that's why when I arrived in the kilometer 42, I was using the phone and I called my mother and my father. They were following me, but they were in the hotel because it was in the night. And I called and my mother said, Pau, what is happening? 
No, no, mom. I'm really good. No worries. I'm really good. I'm running. Uh, but Pap, what are you doing? No, I'm running. I'm in Bonhomme. I was in Bonhomme, more or less. Yeah, yeah. They oh, called it Bonhomme. Yeah, Bonhomme. early in the race. I feel really good. Uh, two, I don't know, the, the hour, uh, 10, 11, I don't know. Yeah. But I, I have to do this call. And she told me, what call? I say, nothing, nothing. Only things that I'm thinking. Bye-bye. And I put off. Yeah. And then in the kilometer 84 to my girlfriend, kilometer 120 to my coach. And when I was in Chamonix, before three kilometers to the finish, I called my, my friend and he told me, Pau, did you finish? I, I was following in the screen and you're running. I said, no, no, I'm running. But I have to call you. This is the last one. Yeah. I'm going to um, thank you to be my friend. And, and, yeah, and, and I put off and then I called him again uh, when I finished. Yeah. I, say, uh, I explained him a little bit what was happening. Yeah. You know, but these inputs are really positive. Oh, it's a beautiful story, man. I mean, it's amazing. Like imagining just being the people who are receiving that call. And I can totally empathize with your mother. Who's probably like, Oh my God, he's dropped out of the race. Like, why the hell is he calling us at 10 o'clock in the evening, climbing Col de Benome? And of course you were in the lead of the race that whole time. And it's just like one of those just amazing sporting stories of, yeah, like, okay, how do you keep yourself motivated? How do you keep your Mm -hmm. mind engaged? And I'd love how you're just like articulating that it's a way for you to show your gratitude to the people who support you in your yeah. life as an athlete. It's a beautiful so, story. If, if I would not have these people with me, I don't know if I would be professional today. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really honest now eh? because uh, I can train and I can train a lot, uh, a lot of hours, but when I'm sad, or when I'm tired or when I don't want to continue, they are the people that say, Pau, we are here with you, not for you, with you. And and this is a big difference, no? Because I feel always with with people that I love, with mm-hmm. my parents, with my sister, with my brother, with my girlfriend, with my friends. And they moved to Chamonix to encourage me to run. And this is very nice. I'm not father, but the day that I will be father yeah. and I will see my son in a in a checkpoint and they will look me i don't know if i will have more power or not but i will not stop i know yeah yeah i I remember after you won when you were at the finish line in the corral there and you were you know giving a big hug to your dad and just like the pride Mm -hmm. that he had and then also thinking, as you're mentioning, children last year when Francois won, you know, and his wife and his three kids are there. And it's just like, wow, like it, none of this is possible without them. And I don't know. I just I just love that story of like you being in, in the lead at UTMB in 2019, running one of the most memorable 100 mile races that I can recall and having the energy to make phone calls to the people who are important in your life. It's a beautiful story. Free Trail is grateful for the support of Jolbo Eyewear, the best sunglass brand in the game. I've been fortunate to work with these guys for probably seven or eight years at this point. Jolbo was born in the mountains of France way back in 1888, and they have been a leader in mountain sport eyewear ever since. Jolbo's special sauce lies in the photochromic reactive lenses that adjust to lighting conditions, getting lighter or darker depending on the intensity of the natural light. 
It's really just an amazing product. You put them on and you keep them on, no matter if you're in the shade, in variable lights, or full-on bluebird conditions. The glasses adjust for you so you don't have to. My two favorite models are the Ultimate and the Fury, so go check these out. The Ultimate is more of an exposed lens, athletic look, where the Fury is more of a shield design, but both are under 27 grams, so extremely lightweight and high performance. Best sunnies in the trail biz. Go check out the products at joelbode.com. Use code FREETRAIL10 for 10% off your purchase. joelbode.com, code FREETRAIL10. Important note, this discount does apply to prescription shades, but does not apply for those outside the US. Apologies to our international listeners, but big thanks to Jolbo. The Free Trail Podcast is brought to you by Gnarly Nutrition, the first brand to believe in our fledgling operation. Gnarly makes the best nutrition products on the market for outdoor and mountain sport athletes, top to bottom. Everything is first class, much like the people that work for the company. You've heard me talk about the Fuel 2 drink mix, the BCAAs, the Performance Greens. Well, today I want to tell you about the Gnarly Hydrate Electrolyte Mix. Harmony, my wife, will tell you I am obnoxious and annoying about hydration. I suspect most athletes walk around at least moderately dehydrated day to day. And I think improving hydration status is the simplest thing that you can do to improve your performance. Of course, improving hydration is not just about drinking more water. You also need minerals and electrolytes, which the gnarly hydration mix has in spades. Loaded with electrolytes and B vitamins, Gnarly Hydrate has everything you need to keep your muscles and brain fully engaged to power through your time on the trails and in your daily life. As usual, you can get 15% off your purchase of Gnarly Hydrate and any of their other amazing products by visiting gonarly.com. Use code FREETRAIL15. Back to the show. Let's just touch on the breaking 20 thing for a sec, because you mentioned it a little bit now. And you've also mentioned like being a professional. And I think this is one of the things you've just done such a good job in your career of like thinking of cool things to do, like how to engage the community, how to do fun things. And of course, living through the pandemic when there weren't racing opportunities, you came up with this fun idea to run around Mont Blanc and attempt to break 20 hours. Ultimately, you ran about 21 hours. But for me, it was so entertaining because you just <laughs> broadcasted the whole thing on Instagram live and I watched hours of it and it clicked in my mind of just like how easy it is to do cool stuff like that, you know? And, um, I just thought it was impressive that you had that forethought, but maybe just talk about the, the breaking 20 project, how it's informed your race coming up here in a couple of weeks at UTMB. And then also Keith told me that you're going to be doing a film showing during mm -hmm. UTMB week. So tell us about all that stuff. So the, the breaking, the breaking 20 appears in a, in a call with my manager and that's I was training the first days after the pandemic and, and the race was canceled. And I remember that I called my manager and I say, I want to run because last year I won the race and I want to run again. And he told me, okay, if you want, go there and run. And I say, okay. And we start to create this breaking 20, no? Because when I finish 
sorry eh, for what I'm going to say, but when I finished the race in 2019, in a dinner after the race, I told to my manager, Jordi, I think that I can run faster because during the race, I didn't run in my 100%. Yeah. And I think that we can run in less than 20 hours. And that's why we create the break in 20. That's why I went in Kenya to train with the Kenyan athletes, to train with Eliud Kipchoge, to be faster, because yeah. I have to be faster. Uh, and that's why we, we say break in 20, because Eliud did the break in two, the break in two hours. And I explained this project to Eliud, and I said, to him, Eliud, I want to use this breaking, the name. And because if if you don't say, uh, Pau, you can use, I will not use it. Yep. You have to say that I can use Out it. Out of respect, because he did the breaking two project, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he told me, okay, Pau, you can use it because I know that you are you're normal, you're healthy, blah, blah, blah. So you can, you can use it. And, and that's why we did the breaking 20. But... When the people ask me, Pau, you will do the Breaking 20 this year, I say, no. I'm sorry if North Face wants. I'm sorry if the yeah. people think, but I can't say that I'm going to do the Breaking 20. Because yeah. if I start the race with this, with this mind about we are going to crash the 20 hours, I will not finish. It's impossible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I have to be normal and think normal and think about it's impossible to do in breaking 20, but if the race is good and I feel good, maybe in the last 20 kilometers, we can try it uh, <laughs> if we are close. If not, I'm not, I'm sure that it's really complicated, but it's my dream. Yeah. And I have, I had a dream when I started run. It was win the UTMB uh -huh. and I did. And yeah. now I have one dream is try to do the breaking 20. What's the problem? That maybe Jim Wamps, Jokilian, they can go. <laughs> <laughs> this is my problem, but yeah. I'm human. I'm sorry. Sure, sure. Uh, I love it, man. Keep the dream alive until you achieve it. I mean, it's one of the reasons why you are a UTMB champion. So tell us about the the film, because Keith said that you're mm -hmm. going to be doing a little film showing during UTMB week, and there, I'm sure there's going to be some listeners who are going to want to attend in person, but also maybe tell us when we might be able to see it on the internet. Yeah, this film is uh, more or less how Pau Capay can run in UTMB for the Breaking 20. Mm -hmm. So how I can prepare my body to do it. And we explain a little bit uh, about Kenya. Uh, when I went in Kenya, I, I went with a production of people. So we filmed there and then they film also in, in my home in Andorra. So... Uh, we show how I'm training in Andorra and I show also a little bit about my family, my friends and how is the people that is around me and is helping me. Mm -hmm. So it's more a little bit how I can prepare uh, my body. But we talk more, not training, more about how we are. Uh, we are humans. We are yeah. not robots. Uh -huh. So like humans, how we can prepare. And this is more or less... It's only 30, 40 minutes. It's not too long, mm -hmm. but it's really nice, nice film. Also, yeah. some athletes uh, uh, talk there. So Rory Bossio, for example. Oh, great. Uh, he's part of this film. Great. And so will it be at the North Face store in Chamonix? Yeah, uh, we'll be yeah. in the North Face store. I think it's Wednesday, I think, oh. if I'm not wrong, or Thursday. I don't know. Cool. 
I'm sure you'll post about it on your Instagram. So yeah, for those yeah. who are in, in Chamonix, just make sure you check in on Pau's Instagram story yeah, yeah. during race week. And then hopefully we'll be able to see it on the, on the internet shortly thereafter. So let's talk about the race now because it's mm-hmm. only two weeks away. I'm curious yeah. where your head's at. I mean, you said that you're not as confident going into the race this year as you were in 2019. Is that, born of maybe just the injury that you've been through since then, or is it maybe the training hasn't come as naturally? Like, well, why aren't you as confident as you are in 2019? So in 2019, I did the best race of my life and it's complicated to do the same. I'm really honest. It's really complicated. In 2019, I did the times that I wanted and I follow my times. This time in this year, I will do the same more or less the same times, more or less the same times. Mm-hmm. I have two options, depending if I'm feeling good or if not. So, mm-hmm. uh, but then the training is done. So I have I have done a volume of training, more or less the same. I try to copy the same year with the same races, more or less, the same training, the same coach, because I'm training again with Laia. She was my coach in 19. Then we stopped because I needed to stop with her. And after the injury, I start again with her and I'm feeling good again. So uh, I think all the things are in a good way. And then during the race, uh, it's try to focus only on my time. I have also one surprise for the race, uh, not calls, but one surprise uh, for more people. So I will do something also to disturb my mind. eh? It's not, it's like I'm running and maybe I do some things to take positive energy, but these yeah. things for people also, no? So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for the race. And then, I don't know, if Jim and Killian run faster, uh, we have to do this. Congratulations and go home happy. So yeah, it's, yeah. It's really easy. So let's talk about that, like the strategy element, because like I mentioned in 2019, you were off the front through... Lezouche, you know, eight kilometers into the race. And you had like a 20 minute lead going over the Col de Benome, which is about 50 K into the race. So it was apparent that you were racing with your trademark, just confident and aggressive strategy. And this year, I mean, obviously like the likes of Killian and Jim, like they're not going to let you go and you're not going to be able to run away from them. I think that early. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I'm wondering what, what you're thinking about strategically. So I think it's impossible to run alone this year because they will not want. And the strategy is follow my times. I did in 2019, I followed my times. I didn't want to arrive first in Saint-Gervais and I didn't want to arrive first in Col de Bonhomme or uh, Grand Colferret. I didn't want. It's only I wanted to arrive there with my times and this year is is the same i know that if i want to play or yeah to play with them in in the war that they will play i i can't win it's impossible they are better so i have to play my war my war is my war it's only me yeah only my and then maybe it's like i don't know in english but it's like this small animal that is doing small things, small things, and then finally he has a castle. 
Yeah. And then yeah. you can have a big guy that try to do a big castle in one day and the castle will will go down. Yeah. So prefer to be this small animal, do my job in silence, blah, 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 blah. And finally, arrive in Chamonix in 20 hours. Yeah. So expand on that a little bit, because I think that's kind of an interesting thing for you to say, that like if you play Killian and Jim's game, Hmm. that you won't win because... In your interpretation is that they're better than you. I think that's debatable. I mean, you're absolutely in their category as an athlete, but tell us more about what you mean by that. Because I'm normal, uh, Dylan, I don't know. So I train a lot of hours, but I'm not special. I'm yeah. not the factor in the race. I'm not the best athlete in the downhills and I'm not the best athlete in the fast place or in the uphills. I'm not the best. I'm the best in my life. Yeah. My life is only my life mm-hmm. with my family, with my times, with my feelings. And I know that if I play this game, I can be the best yeah. because I'm not alone. I have a team with me and it's not the same. If you want to fight one by one, it's only one by one. But if I am with 10 people, one against 10 people, we will win. And that's why I want to think about that because I'm not special. I'm not an athlete. I'm normal. And and I have to know. And if I want to uh, run against Killian, for me, Killian is like a robot. He's not human. (laughs) He's not normal. It's impossible that one normal athlete, sorry for Jim, but Jim Wamsley tried to win Hard Rock try to win Certinal, Cegama and UTMB in the same year. Certinal, Killian has not win yeah. uh, this morning, but for three minutes. But then the other races, he has win. Yeah. He, he won Hard Rock and he will try to win and he can win UTMB. Uh, I can't win Cegama. It's impossible. Yeah. So we have to know that. And then with your... Uh, I don't know, with your, uh, in English, with your things, uh-huh. do the best. Yeah. So if you think that you are good eating, do your best work eating. Yeah. Uh, don't lost uh, your water, your food. Be in control of that. If you are good working, do your best working. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not important if they run. Okay. If they run in this uphill to Grand Colferret, Congratulations for them. Yeah. If I can't, walk, but walk good. Not only do walking, no, walk yeah. good. And if you plus all of this, finally, you have a good result. And that's why I won UTMB, eh? not I for it. I love it. Yeah, it is about just like paying attention to your own mm-hmm. race and doing all those those little things the best that you can. So let's start winding down now, but it makes me want to ask as we talk about Killian a little bit, you and Killian are two of, I think probably the only two Spaniards who've ever won UTMB. Mm. And, and also this year, Pablo Villa is in the race and the three Mm. of you guys represented really interesting Spanish element in the field. Is that something that you think about at all? The national pride and, and maybe because of course, like, especially in the last, like, I think it's 13 years or something like that. Uh, 
the Frenchmen have just dominated, except for you and Killian. But now Killian is back, you're back, and Pablo Villa has had an amazing season. Yeah. He's a great athlete, and he's won yeah. he's won TDS. Um, so maybe uh, talk about that a little bit. The Spanish pride. Maybe we should do a, a meeting together before yeah. the race. <laughs> we, we we should do a team. I don't know. Uh, I will propose them, but. Yeah. Absolus Alberto is running UTMB this year. Oh, Luis Alberto's running. That's right. So one of the one of the all-time best. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's the second time for him in mm-hmm. the ultra distance the, the UTMB. But but yeah, obviously they are they are for me in the top five for sure. They will yeah. be there. And but no, we have not talked about uh, do some strategy together. We yeah. should do it. But but yeah, maybe I will prepare a WhatsApp group. And <laughs> I will I will tell them that maybe we have to do it to to win the French people or the American. Yeah, yeah. Well, very cool. Oh, in, the, in the American, you do it normally or not? Or no, not no. I mean, I'm I'm sure there's there's some conversation back and forth, but I mean, there there isn't that team element on a national level i think sometimes the sponsors you know you may see a little yeah. bit of team encouragement but um yeah i don't know i think utmb is an interesting race because it's the race in which there is the most national diversity and where the best athletes from every country are present right and yeah. and of course the americans like on the men's side have had a hard time, you know, racing to our potential. And I don't know, Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to like, when I look at the, the, uh, fields that are assembling for all the different races at UTMB, I'm always also looking at the nationalities of the top athletes Mm -hmm. and thinking about, you know, the, the density. And, you know, I think in recent history, the French have just been so good. And, um, and then, you know, you and Killian have been, the Spaniards, but now that we're seeing the rise of the Chinese and Asian athletes, which yeah. I think is going to be a very interesting thing too. So anyway, sure. it's just an exciting time in the sport. And, uh, I just love how it's so global and international mm-hmm. now, and there's so many good athletes from every corner of the earth. So, sure. so pal, maybe, uh, in closing, let's just talk about the team that you've put together. Cause you've been talking about it our entire conversation of just like the importance of the personal life, the importance of your friends and family to be around you. How do you approach the team element during UTMB? Of course, you're only allowed to have one crew member, but tell us about the people that you have in your corner and uh, how they've helped you to be the athlete that you are today. The people you, you mean, for example, Northeast. Yeah, nor, like your sponsors or your family, and and then also just like who takes care of you during the race, you know, okay. like your crew. So in in my crew is my family. Obviously, is my uh, normally in, in the Hotel du Mont Blanc. I rent a house, so for them and for me, uh, North Face, for example, they uh, offered me to be in the same house with the other athletes, but. I'm very grateful, but I prefer to be with my family. Yeah. And I rent a house for them, my family, my parents, girlfriend, uh, my brother, my sister. And, and yeah, and we are uh, with some friends, maybe we're 10 in the house. And and then my coach, also my my physio is there. Uh, and yeah, this is my crew. And then obviously, uh, for example, North Face uh, for the race, they want 
to help me uh, during the race, in the checkpoints, in the in the refreshments. But I have my crew, and for me, it's enough. Otherwise, Who does that for the, you? Is it your girlfriend uh, that crews for you, or yeah, yeah, okay. yeah my girlfriend. She she will manage all the all the uh, all the points, the checkpoints, and then during the night, uh, she's with my mother, and my father is resting, and then my father in the morning will come because my father is older than my mother, so <laughs> my father is 70, 71 years old. So imagine that. <laughs> 71 B in in Courmayeur. Yeah, you don't need to go to Courmayeur, Pops. You know, you just stay yeah. home and <laughs> sleep through it. It's not, not necessary. Yeah. Uh, and that's why he comes normally in Champeclac, La Folie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, comes there and my mother, yeah, with my, with my girlfriend, with Laura, yeah. they will be in all the points following me and maybe my sister, my brother. Yeah. So for me, it's better if... Obviously, I love the people in North Face, and yeah. and when I'm tired, I want to listen. The people in North Face say, oh, you can do it! Come on!" But they are friends, maybe. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I you mean, know, they they, they help you in other ways, right? You know, they give you they give you the opportunity to be a professional athlete. But I don't know. I just think it's just again remembering back to when you won the race and your family being there and then Francois mm -hmm. last year and then also like Courtney DeWalter and her husband Kevin like yeah. and his him crewing her and watching that on the live stream and I don't know you've just mentioned so many times just like your friends and family and how important they are and thinking about the phone calls you made in 2019 I don't know it's a beautiful thing and a special part of the sport when we can include those who are most important to us in these life-changing journeys around these mountains well pal dude it's so fun to catch up man I'm so glad to see you back from injury I know <laughs> firsthand how hard it is to go through that shit and uh it's just good to see you back in top form again and getting ready to, to line up at the world's most important race at UTMB. So thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much, Dylan. And I hope to listen to your voice again when I will watch the, the last kilometers in the UTMB that I do a lot of times when I'm training in the trade mile and I put the video of the last kilometers of the UTMB and you are, you are talking with Keith uh, in the finish line. So I listen a lot of times. So I hope this year repeat and I hope to listen to you again. Well, good luck, man. Thanks so much. Big thank you to Pal. So good to catch up with him and so glad to see him in good health and good fitness again, ready to do battle against the world's best at UTMB in a couple of weeks. Reminder to check out gorgewaterfalls.com for more information about our race next spring. We would love to see you there. We'd also love it if you checked out and support the sponsors of this podcast who make everything that we do possible here at Free Trail Speedland. Runspeedland.com. Check out the best shoes ever made. Gnarly Nutrition. GoGnarly.com. Use code FREETRAIL15 for 15% off your purchase of the best nutrition supplements on the planet. If you enjoy the show, please do share it with your friends or on social media. I always love it when you put it up on Twitter and in your Instagram stories, or if you're feeling particularly inspired, please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts. It takes literally 30 seconds and it makes a big difference for us. We will have more news about how you can get more involved with Free Trail very soon, but that's it for now. Hope you're all having an amazing week. Love you very much. Talk soon. Bye.